0: Welcome in to episode 5 of the Barnes on Bama podcast. I'm your host Owen Barnes and we got a lot to discuss this week. We have to break down the debacle that happened on Saturday in Rupp Arena against Kentucky. We need to break down also the game coming up on Wednesday against Ole Miss as well as a little bit of a look ahead to Saturday and what to expect because we had some big news come out on Saturday prior to the game um, with College Game Day coming to town. So let's get right into the show. So let's start with Kentucky. Um, if anybody read the article on Substack, kind of breaking it down, my thoughts are that Kentucky played about as well as you could have. A lot of that was because Alabama played some of the worst defense we've played all year. Nado's mentioned in the post game that it's just clear that the team doesn't want to play defense. You saw at times he even went to Davin Cosby early, um, looking for someone that was just willing to put in some effort. He mentioned that the only decent defense that was even played in the game was with about eight minutes to go, and the game was well out of reach at that point. Alabama was down somewhere between 20 and 30 points at that point. It was just a brutal, brutal game. It really got started with, you know, it was a pretty good game at the beginning. Both teams were making shots. Alabama starts out, you know, perfect from the three-point line. Both teams are doing well. And then it, the turnovers happened. You know, I talked about it in the podcast last week that if Kentucky was going to have some success in this game, even though they're not a team that turns you over a lot, the place where Alabama has had the the woes on the road has been turnovers. We turned it over 15 times against Auburn. We turned it over 22 times against Tennessee. And then we ended up turning it over 16 times against Kentucky. You know, that was kind of the start of it. That allowed Kentucky to get out running in transition, Kentucky's three-point shooters, which I also talked about, are elite. They hit everything. You know, Kentucky ends up shooting, I think they their final percentage ended up being in the 60s, but at one point early in the game, Kentucky was shooting 70 or sorry, later in the game actually, Kentucky was shooting 70% from the field. You know, Kentucky has a guy in Justin Edwards that hasn't had a great season this year. You know, hasn't lived up to what the expectations from some of the fan base was ends up having the game of his life, you know, goes 10 for 10. The only miss on the night was from the free throw line. He goes 10 of ten, four for 4 from the three-point line, you know, has 28 points. But all in all, Kentucky just was able to do absolutely whatever they wanted. There was a combination of Alabama didn't seem locked in, you know, whether it be on the scouting report or on the defensive end. You know, I talked about Reed Shepard and his ability to – create steals you know when being the on-ball defender and Aaron Estrada and Mark Sears both seemed a little loose with the ball around Reed he was able to get a couple of poke-free steals which led to easy runouts you know it just all in all felt like you know the guys were not locked in like you need to be going into a good Kentucky team you know Calipari talks later or talked after the game about their game plan was to run Alabama off the three point line. I talked about the stat where Kentucky had done a pretty good job or had not done a very good job about running teams off the three point line, and a lot of opposing teams had gotten a lot of shots off the three. Well, Cal made that his number one point of emphasis do not let Alabama get off threes, no matter what. Even if we give up easy dunks, easy layups, do not give up threes. And the game plan worked. You know, Alabama did have some dunks, did have a lot of success in the paint. But, you know, like Alabama often does with teams, we were trading twos for threes, and they were hitting them, and we were not. So, you know, from the offensive standpoint, you end up putting up 95 points. In most games, you would hope 95 points is enough for the win. In this game, it was a 22-point loss. Kentucky puts up 117. It's the most that's... Alabama's ever given up in the series with Kentucky. It's one of the worst losses under Nate Oates, I believe second only to that Oklahoma loss that happened last year. But, you know, it was just an awful, awful loss. Nate Oates says after the game, you know, it's clear this team doesn't want to defend or can't defend. You know, the burden's out on the team. You know, it's clear what's happening. At the end of the day, something has to give. Either Alabama has to get better on defense or they're not going to make it very far in the tournament. Their offense has been good. It has been a lead at times. You know, it's currently still number one in the country. But it's a standpoint that if your defense gives up 117 points, you're going to lose the game. You know, your offense can score a lot of points. and 95, is a lot of points. But it's not enough. So that's, that's the number one thing, is can Alabama fix the defense? Hopefully they're going to have some reinforcements coming in. Nate Oates did mention that Latrell Reitzel, Um, is cleared to be able to start practicing tomorrow. I'm not sure. It was a little unclear whether he practiced today or not, but it sounded like he was cleared to practice tomorrow, and hopefully he will be able to play in the game on Wednesday. So it does sound like he has cleared concussion protocol um, with what he said on, hey, coach, um, earlier tonight. So that does sound good. You know, Luttrell has been a really, really good guard for us, does a good job holding on to the ball. You know, I think the best assist to turnover ratio on the team um, from the guard standpoint, and you know, just all in all, one of the better guys. You know, not loose with the ball, one of the better on ball defenders. So getting him back will be big. You can tell over the last two games they have missed him, but he was not a twenty two point difference in that Kentucky game. If I had to give one positive for that Kentucky game, it, and I mentioned it in the write up on Substack as well, Rylan Griffin was was that high point. He ends up scoring 21 points. He only shoots two of eight from three, so not his most efficient shooting night from deep. But he was the only starter on the team and one of the only guys that got on the floor that didn't have a turnover. And he actually had four assists. So, you know, when you can get four assists and no turnovers out of one of your main guards, out of one of your veterans on the team, he puts up 21 points. He was really one of the only guys on the court that really felt comfortable you could tell at times, you know, he was kind of just taking it upon himself. Like, hey, I just need to drive this to the basket. I just need to kind of do this myself. So the one bright spot I would say for for that game was Rylan Griffin. For me, the biggest downside to that game, and, you know, we praised him all year, and I think he's done a lot of really, really good for this team. So I don't, you know, in no way is this saying he's a bad player, but Mark Sears seemed to be seeing ghosts there were a few instances when he drove down the basket and had you know a layup or had a shot to be able to make it and it almost like he panicked and then when he went to spray it out or went to pass it he threw it to Kentucky I believe he ended up ended up having six turnovers in the game you know him and Aaron Estrada combined for 11, so Estrada was by no means good in this game from a turnover standpoint, but it was just a standpoint where the two of them didn't seem to be locked in, you know, to the scouting report. They seemed to be seeing ghosts. They seemed to think that there was pressure where there wasn't or that there wasn't pressure where there was. Both guys end up having really good scoring nights, but the turnovers were just too much. And then there was very little stopping the ball. You know, that was on Mark and on Aaron, you know, as the main two guys guarding the ball. There was just very little to stop Kentucky's penetration. And Kentucky basically beat Alabama at their own game. There was a lot of drive and kick threes. There were a lot of open threes to be had. The had, you know, one for one. I think he had his toe in his line for what would have been the second. Um, just Edwards ended up going four for four. They have some other guys that shoot really well. Reed Shepard got a couple in. You know, They had quite a few guys that shot really, really well from deep, and that's just not going to be a recipe for success when Alabama defends that poorly. So at the end of the day, you have to regroup. You have to learn how to find some defense. I know that's been the number one thing that Nate Oates has been talking about. I'm curious if you see any level of lineup, shakeup, Um, you know if Reitzel is back I would expect to see him you know if he's a full go he probably will be back in the starting lineup because this is a pretty small Ole Miss team coming that we're going to Oxford to play so I am curious what the lineup happens you know I definitely expect that you may see some different people off the bench early you know if Oates feels that it's an effort thing you know you may see an early Mo Diabate you may see you know, an early Sam Walters, you may see an early Davin Cosby, you know, whoever's really been giving the effort in practice and giving the effort and the willingness to defend. It would not shock me at all if you saw one of those guys early off the bench because it's pretty clear that Nate Oates at this point is like we have to do something to defend. Even if we're only holding teams to a 1.1, 1.2 points per possession, they gave up a 1.46. And a 1.46 in a single half is elite. Over a full game, it's just astronomical. You know, Alabama ends up scoring 95 points, and that was on a 1.19. So even if you give up a 1.11, you have, or sorry, a 1.1, you have a really good chance of winning the game. You know, the defense was just at a level that we gave up entirely too much um, by proxy and how well Kentucky shot. There weren't a ton of rebounds to be had. Alabama does end up winning the rebounding battle not by the level that I expected since Trey Mitchell didn't play in the game you know part of that was due to the fact that Kentucky was making shots but just all in all was an awful game you regroup you're still tied at the top of the league currently Tennessee does hold that tiebreaker but you have a rematch with Tennessee coming up on Saturday which we'll talk about here in just a minute so that is kind of the the thing that you need to know the full season still is ahead of you you know I talked about Splitting Kentucky and Florida was would be the goal. Honestly, at this point, even if you lose the Florida game, you just got to win out at home. Win out at home, beat Ole Miss. Even if you lose the Florida game, it's okay. Florida game scares me a ton now, but you know if Alabama can find some defense, then you know any game they have the ability of winning with their ability to score. So we will see what comes up, but you know that's what I have to talk about for the Kentucky game. So what I want to talk about that happened just before the Kentucky game tipped off is there was an announcement by the university and college game day that for the first time ever, the university of Alabama will be hosting college basketball college game day. You know, they've hosted it for college football quite a few times, you know, a few times this year, even, and for the first time ever, they're going to be hosting college game day for basketball. College game day is going to tip off or start at 11. Um, From what I've seen, doors open for students at 930, open for regular fans at 10. So if you're curious about that, you know, stay in tune, stay up to date on whatever that may be. I'm sure the university will be posting on RollTide.com, you know, what the arrangements for that look like, if there's anything special that fans need to know. That game does tip off at 7 p.m. on Saturday. So that's big news. I've heard that it's going to be a whiteout. So wear white, you know, be there early for college game day. This is something that the university has never had from a basketball perspective. So showing out on national TV is is huge and I think will be really, really big for the university and for the basketball program as a whole. So that's something really big coming to the university. You know, just stay in tune, stay in touch with that. So I want to talk about the Ole Miss game and I'm going to talk, I'm going to start the Ole Miss preview by talking about something that we've heard come out and I'm hoping that this news is old by the time this gets published. I'm hoping that the article that came out by the Clarion ledger is wrong and that this is not what the case is. However, if anyone watched the games on Saturday or has been on Twitter, you were aware that Muhammad Wagee was suspended for the Alabama-Kentucky game by the SEC due to what they deemed a fighting maneuver or fighting conduct. Um, he threw an elbow down against the Florida game. He was not, you know, was not assessed any foul during the game. So they came down, they suspended him by the university or sorry, by the SEC. He was suspended for that game. Cut to Saturday in the South Carolina versus Ole Miss game. Alan Flanagan throws an elbow while running down the court. If you haven't seen it, just look it up on you know any platform. But he throws an elbow, you know, the Ole Miss guy is standing there, and he just throws an elbow and hits him in the face. They review it, and he is ejected from the game for a flagrant two. But given what had just happened with Muhammad Wagi, even though he was ejected during the game, the SEC had put out a statement, and I'm going to read what that statement said um, when they suspended Muhammad Wagi. So the SEC statement stated, "Alabama men's basketball Muhammad Wagi was suspended by the SEC for commit uh, for the next contest for committing a fighting act." as defined by the NCAA playing rules in the game against Florida. When you scroll down to, or when you keep going in that thing, and I'm going to pop it up here on the screen so that anybody could read it, it, says NCAA rules require a suspension for the next regular season game when a player commits an act of fighting defined as a confrontation involving one or more players, coaches, or team personnel, wherein, but not limited to, a fist, hand, arm, foot, knee, or leg is used to combatively strike another individual. Clearly, what happened with Alan Flanagan would be defined as a fighting act by what I just stated. By the NCAA's rule of what a fighting act is, it clearly is a fighting act. It was a flagrant two in the game. He was ejected in the game. The Clarion Ledger released a state or released an article earlier this afternoon, and this is on Monday, February 26th that Alan Flanagan was not going to be suspended for the game. The statement that they received from the SEC made it seem like the reason he was not going to be suspended was that he was kicked out of the contest that was happening. So there will be nothing happening for future contests because he was kicked out of the one that happened. The difference in Wagees being, He was not kicked out of the game that he was in. There was no penalties assessed in the game that he was in. However, again, if you read the NCAA rule that the SEC published when Wagee got suspended, it clearly says the NCAA rules require a suspension for the next regular season game if fighting occurs. End of discussion. It doesn't say Only if you weren't suspended in the game prior, only if you weren't kicked out. It says suspended the next game if fighting occurs. In my mind, it's clear that fighting occurred. So if the rule states that you must be suspended if a fighting act occurs, it's cut and dry as to what should happen. As far as what we can tell, it does not look like he is going to be suspended. Now, this may change. Everything is fluid. You know, there's no telling what's going to happen between now and game time. However, if he plays, in my opinion, is a complete travesty by the SEC, it's a travesty by the basketball, it's a travesty by Ole Miss, how do you allow a player that committed a fighting act, as clearly defined by the NCAA, to play in the next contest when the precedent was clearly set one game prior that Alabama's Wagee was suspended? I don't care if you were got a flagrant during the game or not, If the NCAA rule is you must be suspended the next game, then across the board, you must be suspended. That's my stance on it. It will forever be my stance on it. Whether it's an Alabama player, an Ole Miss player, Auburn, doesn't matter. This is the stance that it should be. And we will see if the SEC makes it right. We will see if he ends up getting suspended. However, from what we can tell as of today, as of this moment, he is not being suspended for the game. So... I'm going to talk about the game as if he's going to be playing. However, let's just keep that with a grain of salt that if he does not play, some of the things I'm going to mention will be outdated and you know, just take that with what it will be. So when we're moving on to Ole Miss, what you need to know about the Ole Miss team is they are pretty small. They play mostly guards. Their front court is about three guys. They play Jamin Breakfield, which has been at Ole Miss for a few years now. He's about 6'8. They play Jamarian Sharp and they play Musa Sise. Jamarian Sharp and Musa Sise are their two seven foot plus um, centers that are really shot blockers and rebounders. They're not elite rebounders. You know they average somewhere in the four points, four assists range, or sorry, four points, four rebounds range. Both of them are really, really good shot blockers. Um, Sharp's a little better than Csay. In that standpoint, bo- both of them are elite shot blockers, you know, for, for Ole Miss. Those are going to be their rim protectors. Most of the other guys that they play on their team are going to be either guards or wings. They play a pretty small lineup, smaller than even Alabama does. You know, they're, most of their guys that are going to start out and play significant minutes for them are fairly small. Jamin Break, like I said, Jamin Breakfield's at 6'8. He's typically going to be the only guy out there outside of the shot blockers that are over 6'8. The other guys on the team, Flanagan 6'6, Matthew Morrell, 6'4, Jalen Murray, 5'11", TJ Caldwell, 6'4, and then Brandon Murray, 6'5. Right? So those are going to be the majority of their guards that are going to play minutes. So it is a fairly small lineup. This is going to be a lineup that matches up fairly similarly to Alabama. If Alabama ends up getting Reitzel back and ends up playing the lineup that they've played here recently, you know, starting prior to Reitzel's injury, it's going to match up pretty similarly to Alabama, where Ole Miss is going to play mostly guards. Breakfield is not a huge guy down low. He is a little bit bigger. So if Ryland does match up with him, will be a little bit oversized compared to Ryland. However, Ole Miss plays a much smaller guard heavy lineup than some other some other teams in this league. So this this matchup will be pretty similar in style to Alabama, but with the way they play. But there is a clear path for Alabama to do well in this game. And that path starts with rebounding. Alabama has been pretty good at offensive rebounding this season. You know, they they had issues against Texas A&M. They were then able to out-rebound Florida. They've had some really good games rebounding, especially when they've put an emphasis on it. This game, Ole Miss is currently ranked 355 in America out of 362 teams on defending the offensive rebound, so in defensive rebounding. Alabama should have the success and should have the ability to get their misses and, you know, be more successful on that offensive end of the floor because of it. I think that that's going to be a spot where hustle plays is going to make a big difference. This is also going to be a situation where Ole Miss is a good three-point shooting team they are currently 18th in the country. They are not a good two-point shooting team, right? So this is going to be a situation where Ole Miss is a good team for Alabama to, you know, work on the defense with, right? If Alabama can run Ole Miss off the line or have a hand in Ole Miss's face every time they take the shot off the line, run them off the line, get funnel them in to Grant Nelson, funnel them in down low, where Ole Miss is not nearly as efficient, Ole Miss is shooting only 48% from from two-point land, and that's not great, right? You know, Ole Miss is not as good of an inside-the-arc shooting team. So that is a a place where I think Alabama could have a lot of success, right? The place where I think Ole Miss has the chance to have some success is if Alabama has the defensive breakdowns that it had against Kentucky, as well as, is Ole Miss does a really good job blocking shots. They're currently sixth in the country in block shots, or block shot percentage, I should say. And Alabama at times has had issues with getting their shots blocked. Alabama last year had tons of issues with it. This year they've been better, but they still have had issues with the guards going up and getting their shots blocked at the rim. And with Ole Miss playing two guys at seven foot and seven five, That is something that scares me a little bit. Ole Miss does play a little faster. Their average possession length on offense is just over 16 seconds. So this is a team that plays a little faster. They currently play pretty slow overall because their defensive possessions are pretty short. So this is a game that I expect will be very up and down. When Ole Miss played Florida earlier this year at home, It was a 103 to 85 total, so this is a game that could get up and down, could have a lot of possessions, you know, wouldn't surprise me at all to see something between 74 and 78, you know, something like that from a possession standpoint. So this is a standpoint of, I do believe this game could get out and run. If it does get out and run, I think that benefits Alabama as long as they get back in transition. There were a few moments in that Kentucky game where Alabama just seemed to not be putting in the effort to get back in transition and then stop the ball, and it led for easy points, right? Alabama gets a three or a two on one end, doesn't get back, gives up the easy points. So that is something to watch out for this game that I do think that it will be very fast, very fast-paced, but, you know, how Alabama defends, how Alabama stays on top of shooters is going to be something to watch in this game. I like I said the big spot that I think Alabama has the ability to have a lot of success is on the glass. Alabama will clearly be the better rebounding team as long as they rebound to their full potential. They should be a better team than Ole Miss. They should be able to win this game. Ole Miss has had a couple of decent road or sorry, decent home wins. They beat Florida and Mississippi State both at home, as well as Vandy and Arkansas. Their two home losses thus far this season were Auburn and South Carolina, right? So they have beat a couple of teams pretty good at home. They have lost to a couple of other good teams at home. So this is going to be a fairly close contest, especially if Alabama does not play to its full potential. One place that We have to talk about, especially with what happened in the Tennessee, Auburn, and now Kentucky games, like I mentioned, is turnovers. Overall, Ole Miss is not an elite team at causing turnovers. However, they are 31st in the country at causing steals. That is something that we're going to want to watch because it was something that plagued Alabama again in that Kentucky game, like I mentioned. And if turnovers are, again, a problem, that causes issues with your defense, right? if you cause a turnover on offense, it often means that you're running in transition and your defense isn't set. And oftentimes teams will have a much more difficult time finding shooters, being in scramble drills when it comes to defending after, after that steal, because the steals are going to be live ball possessions and it's going to get the game moving faster. Right? So that is something to keep in mind, keep in mind and watch for this game is as the turnover number rises, Ole Miss's chances in this game rise with it. If Alabama does a really good job taking care of the ball and rebounding and having their defense set so that Ole Miss has to run full possessions and run into Alabama's defense, I think that we have a chance at doing really, really well in this game and winning this game going away. However, if Alabama allows Ole Miss to create steals to get running in transition and to play fast and get Alabama out of its comfort zone, like we've saw, seen happen on the road, again, against Auburn, Tennessee, and Kentucky, then there is a chance that this game does not go how Alabama wants it to. So that's something really to watch for this game. That's the big thing for this game, I think, is turnovers. It has been the issue in the three losses thus far. So if there's a stat that you have to watch and keep an eye on as the game goes along is turnovers and points off them, Right. If Alabama has a few turnovers and they're not live ball and they're able to keep their defense set and they're defending really well, then turnovers may not be a super bad issue. But if they're giving up a lot of steals and they're giving up a lot of live ball turnovers that cause out for easy runouts for Ole Miss, then it could be a very long day for Alabama. So that is what I wanted to mention for the Ole Miss game. Hopefully we hear some additional news on the Allen Flanagan front. Officially, the SEC has not made a statement as of today, as of what I've seen. The only statement that we've seen mentioned was from the Clarion Ledger. They said it was from the league, but there was no official statement from the SEC, like a press release like that came out with Wiggy. So we'll stay on the lookout for that. But if I do see anything, if you'll follow along on Twitter, I will tweet about it. Um, stay in touch. I will have the pregame thread coming out, breaking down all the players, having the videos and everything coming out tomorrow around noon. Um, Hopefully I'll have this podcast coming out at 8 in the morning. Yeah, so if you have anything that you're curious about or want to have me talk about and you want to know what my opinion is or have any questions, comments, concerns for next episode, please feel free to reach out. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and watching and have a great rest of your day. Peace.